When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Picture this. It's a sunny day at Yankee Stadium in the 1970s. Excitement fills the air. You take your seat, and there he is. Thurman Munson, the heartbeat of the New York Yankees. You're captivated as this ball player, a symbol of grit and leadership, takes his place behind home plate. His eyes scan the field with a focus that anticipates every move. Munson isn't just a top-notch catcher. He's the glue holding his team together, both defensively and offensively. In those moments, you witness Munson's incredible talent on the field. But little do you know, fate has a different plan for him. His career would be cut short, but Thurman Munson's legacy has endured. So let's rediscover his life, his career, and what occurred that made him gone to I'm Jeff Lambert. And this is Rounders, a history of baseball in America. On June 7, 1947, Thurman Munson was born in Akron, Ohio, into a working-class family. He was the youngest of four kids. His dad was a World War II veteran turned truck driver. His mother was a homemaker, and both of these salt-of-the-earth individuals laid the foundations for that hard-working, humble person that Herman Munson would become. At the age of eight years old, the Munson family relocated to nearby Canton, Ohio, and that's where Thurman's older brother, Duane, started playing baseball. And despite being four years older, Duane taught Thurman all about the sport, sparking this passion that would define his future. Thurman soon discovered he was a natural athlete, and by the time he was in high school, he was the captain of the football, basketball, and baseball team. He won all-city and all-state accolades in every single sport he played. He was fast, he was agile, he was quick-witted, and playing all of the positions he played really shows his talent. So, for instance, he was a halfback in football, a guard in basketball, and he played primarily shortstop in baseball up until his senior During that final year in high school, Thurman's friend Jerome Pruitt was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, and Pruitt thought that Thurman could help him become an even better pitcher if he became his battery mate. And Thurman agreed to switch to catcher and be able to help him not only increase his stats, but improve, and he thought it was a great challenge for him to be able to take on to play this very cerebral position. So Thurman's own success as a high school athlete, even after transferring to catcher, attracted scholarship offers from a lot of different colleges. Now, after he sifted through all the options, he ended up going to Kent State University on a scholarship. And he played outstanding there as a catcher. He stayed in the position. And he received an invitation to play summer ball at the renowned Cape Cod Baseball League for the summer of 1967. Herman led his squad, the Chatham A's, to their first league title with an impressive 420 batting average that summer. And his performance caught even more attention from MLB scouts, 
and they were already high on his skill and potential watching him play in high school and college to begin with. Now, on a quick side note, as a fan of the Cape Cod Baseball League, uh, Munson was posthumously inducted into the Cape Cod Baseball League Hall of Fame in 2000. So uh, that was a nice touch and happened somewhat recently that he was honored as one of the first big players in the league uh, that really sets the stage for it to be what it is now, which is a great place to see rising stars, potential uh, future faces of the MLB. Let's talk about Thurman's entry into Major League Baseball. In 1968, the New York Yankees selected him with the fourth overall pick in the MLB draft. He was assigned to the club's minor league team in Binghamton, New York. For his, He impressed right off the bat. He hit 301 with six home runs, and he showed a lot of promise, not just offensively, but behind the plate. So for his second season, 1969, he was promoted to a higher minor league club in Syracuse. And there, he did the same. He hit 363 for the Chiefs that season. And by August, he was called up to the big club. He was officially a Yankee in his second season. He finished those final two months batting 256 with one home run and nine RBI. And Because of the shortened play that he had in the 1969 season, he qualified as a technical rookie for the 1970 season because he didn't meet the game's cap. So enter his third season, 1970. The Yankees name him their starting catcher. His third season. That's the amount of talent that he's showing. And he put the league on notice. He posted a 302 batting average with seven home runs and 57 RBI. And his performance offensively and defensively earned him the 1970 American League Rookie of the Year Award. That was the launch point. And we see for the next three years after that, from 1971 to 1974, Munson did not slow down and his career soared. He received the first of seven All-Star nods in 1971. In 1973, he earned his first gold glove. He also hit a career-high 20 home runs and made his second all-star team and his impact at such a young age was absolutely undeniable this guy had arrived he was catching everybody's attention by the 1976 season Munson is turning into not just a great player but a leader on the team it was undeniable to anybody inside the clubhouse that Thurman was the clock making the Yankees tick so team manager Billy Martin decided to name him team captain which was a label that came with a significant honor because the last time a Yankee had been named official captain was way back in 1939 when Lou Gehrig was awarded the... Now, in an interview, manager Billy Martin stated this about Thurman, and I thought it really showed some insight into exactly how much he meant to the team. Martin said, quote, he has just the right amount of cockiness and he is a born leader, end quote. That 1976 season, with Munson as the captain, really vaulted the Yankees out of a ho-hum 1970s existence. So they dominated the American League East that year. They finished a remarkable 10.5 games ahead of the second-place team, Baltimore. And in that particular year, Thurman hit 302 with 17 home runs and 105 RBI. On top of that, he showcased his speed and his skills by stealing 14 bases. When's the last time you saw a catcher do that? 
Because of his outstanding performance, he was recognized as the most valuable player in the American League. And on top of that, he led the Yankees to the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds. And during that battle, he batted an incredible 529, and he got two RBIs and two runs scored during that series. Now, his performance wasn't enough, though, because the Big Red Machine ultimately swept that series. But even though the Yankees couldn't secure a title, Munson's performance during that series was a highlight on a national stage. He tied a long-standing record that Goose Goslin of the Washington Senators had set back in 1924 when he got six consecutive hits in the final two games of the World Series. Looking back on all this, everybody, Thurman Munson had achieved this, and he was only 29 years Before we go into the seventh inning stretch, I want to get more personal and talk to you about a curveball I've been facing this past year. Staying energized and focused while juggling podcasting in my everyday life. Like many of you, I'm not just a podcaster. I'm a parent, I have a full-time job, I'm a baseball fan, and I'm always on the go. This lifestyle requires not just energy, but clear-headed focus. My old teammate, caffeine drinks, they were just letting me down. Too much of it, I'd feel jittery, and too little, I'd be snoozing before everything on my daily checklist got finished. Enter Magic Mind. This little green shot has become an essential part of my day. I started taking it each morning, and I've noticed an immediate change. In just three days, my focus is sharpened, my creativity and storytelling is spiked, and my energy levels became as steady as a rookie pitcher. So what's the secret? It's not just about the energy. Magic Mind is packed with nootropics and adaptogens, and these natural wonders have really transformed how I feel throughout the day. I'm more proactive, yeah, but I'm also more present. If I'm diving deep into a baseball history topic, or if I'm playing catch with my son in the backyard, I feel like I'm just more clear-headed for the task at hand. So, to my fellow baseball lovers and busy bees, if you want to hit your day out of the park, give Magic Mind a try. It's been a game changer for me, and I think it could be for you too. Only this January, Magic Mind can help you gear up and crush your 2024 New Year's resolutions fully focused. You get one month for free when you're subscribing for three months by going to www.magicmind.com forward slash Jan Rounders. That's J-A-N Rounders. And with my code Rounders20, you get an extra 20% off which gets you a 75% off total amount for being able to try this product. But this only lasts until the end of January, so hurry up before it goes away. We're going to get back to Herman Munson in a second, but let's take a quick break for our seventh inning stretch. You're probably wondering why there wasn't an introduction in this episode, and I'm trying something new today, so bear with me. I want to go over the feedback and the comments and everything that's going on with the show here in the middle of the episode instead of at the beginning. I'd love to know what you think. So really quickly, as we do every episode, I wanted to go through some of the feedback from our last episode. We discussed the worst trade flops that happened during the MLB winter meetings. And I asked you what you thought was the biggest of all the ones we discussed. 90% of you said the Rory Halliday trade to the Phillies was the biggest flop. Certainly not for the Phillies, but for what Toronto got back for him. That seemed to be the overwhelming 
uh, sentiment there. So thank you for all of you who took part in the poll for that episode. It means a lot. And finally, I want to say hello. We had 30 new subscribers sign up for the show since the last episode. Welcome to the community. It's great to have you. Really appreciate your support. And uh, there's so many of you to list. I'm not going to go through all, but I just wanted to give you a shout out. Thanks for joining the Rounders community. Another quick note before we get back to the show. I had an interview recently with the podcast Midnight Library of Baseball with host Ben Orlando. We had a great conversation about fiction and baseball and records that won't be broken. We talked about the future of the league. Had a great conversation. That's going to be coming out soon. So I would encourage you, check out his show. He has some great takes on baseball history and baseball commentary. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Or you can just go on social and search Midnight Library of Baseball. And I'll make sure when the episode uh, releases to give you links to that as well. But please check out Ben's show. It was very interesting to talk to him. And like I said, he's got some great topics that I think you'll enjoy. That's all, folks. Let's go ahead and get back to the second part of the show about Thurman Munson. Fast forward with me three years. It's August 1979. Thurman Munson is firmly a top catcher in baseball, and he's the anchor of the New York Yankees. During his spare time, he had decided to take up flying airplanes as a hobby. He even bought his own small plane engine with a customized Yankee blue interior, and he showed talent during his lessons. But privately, the New York front office was concerned about his choice of activities off the field. Journalist and commentator Keith Olbermann stated in a 2022 interview, that he was informed that Yankee executives were upset behind closed doors. They believed that Munson might, quote, not be as good a pilot as he thinks he is, end quote. Olbermann stated in that same interview that the GM and manager of the Yankees were attempting to persuade team owner George Steinbrenner to trade Munson, fearing that he might, quote, wind up killing himself, end quote. Well, on August 2, 1979, the team's worst fears came true. Munson was practicing takeoffs and landings at the Akron-Canton Regional Airport near his childhood home. He, his flight instructor, and a close friend had gone along for these flights. According to an investigation by the National Transportation Safety Board, Munson was coming in for a landing, and he failed to extend the plane's flaps which caused the jet to clip a tree and crash short of the runway. The plane burst into flames on impact. Now both the flight instructor and his friend were able to get away from the blaze, but Munson couldn't, and the autopsy showed he had suffered a cervical fracture when the plane had hit the ground, and that resulted in paralysis preventing him from moving. The NTSB also determined that the probable cause was Munson's failure to recognize the need to keep sufficient airspeed during that landing attempt. So his decision on top of that to not wear the available shoulder harness also factored into that cervical fracture. And despite the tragic outcome, Thurman's friend Jerry, who was in the plane and survived the crash, he credited Munson with saving their lives because he recalled in an interview, quote, Thurman flew that airplane to the last nanosecond. He kept it under control and he brought us down as best he could. He never panicked. He saved our lives, end quote. Herman was just 32 years old when he passed away. His death sent shockwaves through the baseball community. 
The day after his death, the Yankees held a pregame ceremony at Yankee Stadium. The defensive starters all took their positions, leaving the catcher's box empty. And the crowd of 51,000 plus people took part in a group prayer and sang America the Beautiful before erupting into an eight-minute standing ovation in Thurman's honor. On August 6, just four days later, the entire Yankees team attended Munson's funeral in Canton, Ohio. His teammates, Lou Pinella and Bobby Mercer, Munson's closest friends, both delivered heartfelt eulogies. Later that day, the team boarded a plane and went back to Yankee Stadium to play a night game, which they ended up winning in dramatic fashion over the Baltimore Orioles. Later, in a symbolic gesture, Yankee owner George Steinbrenner retired Munson's number 15 within that same month. And a little more than a month after that, the Yankees erected a plaque dedicated to Munson's memory, and it had a permanent place, still does, in Monument Park at Yankee Stadium. Munson's locker and a bronzed set of his catching equipment were donated to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And Thurman's locker was never used after his his demise. It remained as a tribute in the locker room until 2008 when old Yankee Stadium was demolished. And then the locker was moved to the new stadium, and it now sits in the team museum for you to be able to see. His number 15 is still displayed at the center field wall at Thurman Munson Stadium, which was a park named after him in Canton, Ohio, for their local minor league team. In 1979, later that year, a one-block street in the Bronx was renamed Thurman Munson Way. You can see the grieving that the city did for this player that they felt was the heart and soul of the city and the team. And he has been immortalized in many different ways. I think it really speaks to the impact that he had, not only on the time period as a player, but to the city, to the team. Now, when we look back at Thurman Munson, he has some absolutely incredible career achievements uh, that he achieved at a relatively young age. He set records and he earned accolades that really solidify his place among baseball's greats. It's a long list. I'm going to give you some of the highlights. He's first all-time in singles in a World Series. He's 10th all-time in batting average by a catcher. He's 11th all-time in postseason batting average, and he's 26th all-time in hits by a catcher. His individual achievements include winning the AL Rookie of the Year in 1970, he won the AL MVP in 1976, and he had three Gold Glove Awards. On top of that, let's not forget his seven all-star nods. His postseason performances were the stuff of legend. He boasted a career 357 batting average with three home runs, 22 RBI, and 19 runs scored. In the World Series alone, his batting average was an impressive 373. His career defensive capabilities are equally notable too. He threw out 44.48% of base runners attempting to steal. That's the 11th spot on the all-time list, as I mentioned before. And most importantly, Munson helped the Yankees win. He played a pivotal role in securing three American League pennants and two World Series titles for the Yankees during his relatively short career. His teammates and contemporaries spoke very highly of him. Uh, Lou Pinella regarded him as, quote, the greatest competitor I've ever seen. Tommy John, another teammate, emphasized Munson's excellence in calling a game and his leadership in the locker room. We had comparisons to Johnny Bench throughout the 1970s in terms of his ability to be able to lead a team and hold down that catcher position. We saw his son, Michael, 
follow in his father's footsteps. And he spent three years in the Yankees organization and one year in double A for the Giants. He stated once in an interview that, quote, it felt like I was competing against a ghost because I didn't know if he would have been proud of what I'd done. He also said, quote, nothing people said affected me and the comparisons didn't affect me because the pressure I put on myself was more than any pressure other people put on me. Certainly a large load to carry for his son, but his father's career had such an impact even on his family that his kids wanted to follow in his footsteps. So bringing this all together, folks, Thurman Munson's legacy transcends statistics because it's a tale of leadership. It's a tale of resilience. It's a tale of a guy who led in every way possible to make his team better. And to me, he's one of the great what-ifs as to what he and the Yankees could have accomplished with even another five years of his leadership. If you'd like to learn more about Thurman Munson's life, I highly recommend checking out the book Thurm, Memoirs of a Forever Yankee. That was penned by him a year before he died, so you can hear things in his own words. It's an excellent read. You can also check out the ESPN miniseries The Bronx is Burning, which chronicles his life and accomplishments. To me, Thurman's impact on the catcher position his personal achievements, and the overall impact on his team's success reminds us that he had more to show us and that potential was tragically gone too soon. And with that, folks, we are going to stop here and go into our premium section for subscribers where we're going to talk about Thurman Munson's Hall of Fame candidacy, what has kept him out, and what efforts are still happening to be able to get him in the hall. If you'd like to access this, all you have to do is go to rounders.substack.com. You can sign up as a paid subscriber. All I ask for is just $5 a month that gives you access to a range of benefits, including extended episodes. Thanks again for making this show a part of your weekly rotation. It means a lot to me. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. But until then, remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. See you next time. Rounders, A History of Baseball in America is produced by Jeffrey Lambert. Our research assistant is Cass Silver. A special thanks to our starting nine supporters, Nathan Halverson and Jack Wilson.